The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to CBS Sports. I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your brain and Davies. You have consent, as you likely know. In previous years leading up to the NBA draft, we've dedicated short episodes of the Iron College Basketball Podcast to some of the top-tier prospects available this year. Doing the same thing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I read that somewhere. We're going to do the same thing leading up to the 2022 NBA draft. That's scheduled for June 23rd. We've already done Chet Holmgren. Paulo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. If you missed any of those, you can find them you know, in the podcast feed or uh, on YouTube. Today, we're going to turn our attention to Kentucky's, kind of Kentucky's, yeah. kind of Kentucky's. <laughs> he went to school there. Shaden Sharp. I've got him going sixth overall to the Indiana Pacers in my latest mock draft. Dead leg, is that too high, too low? We're just about right. The ultimate pandemic prospect right here, Shaden Sharp, because his reputation increased greatly over the past 12 months, really. Um, but we have not seen him play legitimate organized basketball in almost a year. He did play, I, you know, an exhibition in October of last year. But the reason why he's gotten to this point where he's considered a top 10 prospect, you've got him six right now is because he looked like arguably the best player at last year's Nike EYBL event, which then obviously segued into the Peach Jam, as it always does. But last year was a different deal altogether with Nike EYBL and that it uh, it crammed its calendar and condensed a lot of its games into that July period as opposed to April into July. And so Shaden Sharp got a lot of eyes on him, looked really, really awesome. He averaged, you know, almost 23 points, 5.8 rebounds, 2.7 assists while playing for... Uh, one of the Canadian grassroots team out of Nike, you play. And uh, who's to say? I mean, I don't know. He he has spent time on American soil before at Kentucky. He played at a couple of different prep schools. And then, you know, GP might, if you want to lay out the backstory, I'm sure you got all prep. But he is the pandemic prospect. I, I don't, I don't, he's 6'5 wing. He's, he's got almost a seven foot wingspan. It was like 6'11 and a half when he was measured at the combine. Um, there's a lot of potential here, but we just don't know. I, there's a, a real risk here. There's, as much of an unknown in the top 10, maybe as much of an unknown period because he has not played organized hoop in so long. What are your thoughts on, on Sharp and his reputation and the fact that he has managed to, to move and would seem to be, like I think his ceiling is probably going four, and I think his floor is probably 10, probably. Um, what are your thoughts on, on where he stands in his journey to this point? Well, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go somewhere in the top 10. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. I'd also be surprised if he went 
anywhere higher than fourth. But I could see somebody falling in love with him. And, and if it's the same franchise that, say, falls in love with him and has big questions about Chet Holmgren, you know, that, that's the type of combination where you could see him getting into the top three. But he, he's obviously uh, the biggest mystery in this draft, if only because, like you said, we haven't seen him play in an organized competitive basketball game. And even that was like grassroots stuff in roughly a year. Never played college basketball, never played G League Ignite or any of these types of things. You had the measurement, 6'5", guard, wing, um, certainly more of a 2-3 than a 1-2, but, but you know, 6'5", guard, 6'11 and a half wingspan, was unranked by most scouting services for much of his time in high school. And then he started getting some attention, like legitimate high major offer. The idea that he went from a nothing to uh, a five-star prospect just like that, or even in the, or even in July of last year, that's not quite true. Uh, he was, you know, getting high major offers even before he blew up uh, on the EYBL circuit last season, last year. But once he blew up on the EYBL circuit, he became a consensus uh, five-star guy. Like you said, 22.6 points, 5.8 rebounds, 2.7 assists per game on the EYBL circuit last year. After that, he's a five-star prospect. So he is a late bloomer, a little bit like Kate Cunningham was a, a late bloomer. Um, and then was actually ranked as the number one prospect in the class of 2022 before reclassifying to 2021. And then, according to 24-7 Sports, he landed uh, third in 2021 behind Chet Holmgren and, and Paulo Bencaro. Committed to Kentucky last September, enrolled in the second semester, and was eligible to play, but never played, much to the disappointment, major disappointment, to, to Kentucky fans. He's eligible for this 2022 NBA draft because he, A, graduated high school before uh, this NBA season began, which was not clear-cut when he committed to Kentucky. Um, there was some thought that he didn't graduate until after the NBA season started, but ultimately he had a diploma uh, that I think had him graduating maybe in last May, May 2021, and so – that combined with the fact that he turned 19 in the year 2021 uh, makes him eligible for this draft. So let's stop here for a second. Does it bother you that he chose because he did choose or the people around him chose not to play at Kentucky or is that totally understandable and just something that makes him harder to evaluate, but not something that should be necessarily used against him? I mean, I don't know if it'll be used against him or not, but yeah, there was, I don't know if this really ever got to, I mean, we talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if it got to a point of, of national conversation that was consistent, but certainly it was talked about plenty at Kentucky, even though the Wildcats had a, had a, a good team and a bounce back season after what happened the year before this, will he, won't he shade and sharp deal. And the reason why I think there wasn't even more noise made about it was Hamadou Diallo went through this process like five years. Has it really been five years since he did this? Um, maybe four years ago. It's, it's wild how time can fly sometimes. But Hamadou Diallo, you know, enrolled early, didn't play, then wound up uh, suiting up for Kentucky and then, you know, used that on the way to eventually being drafted. Uh, and we look up and Hamadou Diallo was, you know, he was a, a freak athlete with good potential, but, you know, hasn't really amounted to anything uh, just yet. Sharp clearly has a higher ceiling than that, but you know, the way that it was reported and the word coming out was he's not going to play. 
He's going to play next season. And then there was this ever lingering question of, well, can he get eligible? Will he be? I don't know. Some of that, some of the stuff surrounding Shaden Sharp's graduation diploma eligibility, like he is eligible now for the draft. He's going, but I, I don't know. It, that was a bizarre situation. Now he's made the right decision to go into the draft. If you're projected to go in the top 10, you got to go. We agree on that entirely, but I'd certainly have questions if I was in a front office, you know, just to, to at least get some insight into why didn't you play? Obviously talk to Cal, talk to people in Kentucky, get a little bit more of that. It would have been great to see him play. Kentucky would have probably been better had he played because of his natural talent there, although they had a, they had a generally good thing going. They had the National Player of the Year. Yeah, they, they lost in the first round to St. Peter's and all that stuff as a two-seed. That was disappointing. But, yeah, man, I just keep coming back to the fact that he is the ultimate pandemic prospect because a lot of his stuff, a lot of what he was looked at, he wasn't, you know, he didn't play for the better part of a year. And then he was watched over a screen. People weren't watching these games in person and he slowly, but surely built up his reputation, which is earned. I do think that he was clearly one of the three to five most talented players in what wound up being his graduating class there. Um, but what are you getting GP? Like, is it reasonable that his stock has gotten to this point? That's the other thing. I don't know. Again, we have not seen him. He never played college ball. So while the measurables and some of the skills are understandable to why he's gotten to this point, I don't know. It's wild to me on a certain level that that he could go four or five or six in this draft and have, have not played a legitimate competitive game of organized basketball for almost a year at the time of, at when that happens. Because while he's earned that, it's also not a player that it's like, man, this guy was number one in his class and was clearly a future lottery pick from the age of 15. That's not what this is. He was a slow but steady riser and then really firmed up his reputation last July. I mean, he was, he was a four-star recruit less than two years ago. So because of that, I, I'm... I'm not saying that he won't be successful. I just find his case to be interesting. And when we talk about guys and the inevitability, when you look around the lottery and you go back three years post, six years post, 10 years post, and you say, well, look at this, you know, six of these guys are just kind of whatever. I'm not saying that he definitely will be that. It just will not surprise me if he'll be that. Cause frankly, we just don't have a lot to, to go on. We're just, he is a, a prospect with a lot of risk to him. Uh, potentially though, with, with plenty of reward, if he indeed hits, cause he has the athleticism. There's no doubt about that. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. First, let's circle back to the question you asked. Um, or you, if you're working in a front office, would like to ask, like, why did you choose not to play at Kentucky? I think the answer, I don't know what he'll say. 
But the answer, the honest answer is pretty obvious to me because I knew I was eligible for the 2022 NBA draft because I knew I was a top 10 pick and there's no sense in risking that. It is very difficult to be a 19-year-old and join a team, a team largely of older guys, Oscar Shibway, Kellen Brady, Keon Brooks, Sabir Wheeler. It's very difficult to be a 19-year-old and you got no summer, you got no preseason, and boom, you're just playing games in the SEC. Like I remember I was on the sideline for that Kentucky at Auburn game and there were like some whispers, like maybe, especially when Ty Ty Washington went down, it was like maybe now they use severe. I mean, uh, Shane Sharp. It's like you cannot throw him into that. That it would be wildly irresponsible. And I think John knew that at that point, but I think his people also knew that at that point. Um, he could have been dropped in January 25th into the season and been awesome. I'm not ruling that out. But I do think from a draft stock perspective, the risk far outweighed any reward. And so I understood why he didn't play. It's also why I never understood why people thought he would play next season. (laughs) Once it became clear he's eligible for the 2022 draft, let's just break this down logically. You're not playing in in the 2021-22 season because you don't, in part, because you don't want to mess up your draft stock as a probable top 10 pick but you're going to come back and play in the 2000 you're gonna, then you're going to turn that down like the reason you're not playing is you don't want to risk it now you're going to turn it down come yeah. back risk it and be in the 2023 draft like i the, well the clarity on that was not clear from oh a i know oh, oh right? I, know, I behind the scenes i don't think that that was clear and that's why this kind of led to this oh, point and what really did sharper as people know that's another sticking point well, no, it, it just added yeah, to the drama but, well this is one of those where the further you are away from it the easier it is to see like Kyle Tucker at The Athletic uh, did a nice story on this where he sort of – like Shane Sharp's people were constantly telling the Kentucky staff he's going he's gonna to play at Kentucky. They were constantly telling him that. Now, from my – I never talked to Shane Sharp's people. So all I had to do was look at it logically from a distance. Here's a guy who's not playing in part to protect his draft stock. He's a projected top 10 pick. Why would he – if he's eligible for this draft, why would he come back to school and then risk his draft stock all over again? Like th- those two things don't line up. I I'm not playing in part because I don't want to drift my drafts, uh, risk my draft stock, but I'm going to come back and risk it all next season. What? Just go be a top 10 pick. So if you're close to it, like the Kentucky staff, you might be going, Hey, listen, I know I get it, but their talent is he's going to play next season. So like, and he's enrolled in classes. If he's going to not play next season, why is he enrolled in classes? I get why if you're up close, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking maybe he really will play for us next season. But from a distance, it never made sense to me. Evidence being, if you go back and look at the top 25 and one, literally version 1.0 from the night of the national championship game, I did not have Shaden Sharp projected on Kentucky's roster. Even when people were saying, he's saying he's going to play at Kentucky. I was like, I'll believe it when I see it because I'm projecting all top 10 picks to not play college basketball next season so I think that's the answer to that either way um, like you've noted he's the biggest high upside shoot for the stars guy available in this draft he could be the best player in this draft or he could be somebody you miss on um, because he's going to be a top 10 pick based on more or less physical tools workouts and an awesome few months on the grassroots circuit 
That's it. And if you go back and look at the class of 2021 rankings, where would we be projecting these guys to go in the 2022 draft if, like Shaden Sharp, we never saw them play in college? Patrick Baldwin. He was eighth in the class of 2021. Everybody would have him projected as a lottery pick right now if he never played in college. Now he's a borderline first-round pick. Caleb Houston. He was 11th in the same class. Who played with Shaden Sharp for uh, for you, uh, for you Canada on, on the national stage. So they've actually been teammates and was a better player. Uh, when they played together, he was the leading scorer. Yes. Not, not Shaden Sharp. Um, Peyton Watson was 12th in the class of 2021. He ain't going 12th in the 2022 draft. J.D. Davison was 13th in the class of 2021. He ain't going 13th in the 2022 draft. So some of this is, that's, I don't want to overstate it, but like top five player in his class, super athlete, um, incredible jumper, nose on the rim type guy, nice shot creator, legitimate shot maker, creative finisher at the rim, you know, donks, obviously, but also at the rim, like, different hands, hanging finishes, up and under layups, all that stuff. Um, and, and, like, I get it. I, I would take him in the top 10, but you haven't seen him compete consistently against comparable guys. You don't know what that looks like. Um, does he impact winning? Um, Adam Fekelstein had a, a, a nice piece on this earlier today. Like, is he an alpha? Or this is the way Adam put it. Uh, a Robin to somebody else's Batman. You watch somebody play 35 games in college, you can get a sense for that. You can't get a sense for that off workouts. Is, is this guy ready to take over games? Um, or is he just uh, a really uh, high-level athlete, shot creator, and shot maker? Um, this is the type of stuff you can get a sense of in college. Um, but it's hard to know what that is without games. I, I would take him in the top 10. I, I won't be surprised if he goes in the top five, but you are, you are gambling in a way with him that you're probably not gambling with Apollo Bencaro, with a Jabari Smith, even with a, you know, maybe a Keegan Murray or a Jay Nivey or Ochai Abaji, if you want to go down the list a little bit more. He has top five athleticism in the draft. I think that's pretty clear. Um, has a good eye, good shooting eye, a bit, uh, and you know what, a bit of a, I, I did, you know, refresh as, as we do with each of these prospects. I spent about 20, 25 minutes checking out a few YouTube videos. He's actually a, he's a daring, but promising passer. I actually think he's got some, some good distribution skills as well. Uh, he has strength. I like his combination of strength and finesse. But again, I'm always keeping in mind the competition he's playing against when we're watching what he can do there. He's good at making his own shot. He might even be great at creating his own shot. The gather and release, it's pretty clean. Like it. I don't think there needs to be a ton of adjustment there. Uh, it is easy to see Shaden Sharp watch the highlights, probably even watch him do a workout and not talk yourself into him being an NBA player with like real impact. Uh, there are knocks. His handle's loose. Definitely too loose. I would bet you that some of the most stringent workout work that he is doing and has done in the past six weeks has been to tighten up his dribble. Uh, he also has a reputation for being absent-minded on defense. No one, I, he clearly, when you're as big as he is, he's like a sturdy 200 pounds, right? Big as he is, long as he is, six and 11 and a half wingspan on a six five going on a six six frame. Like you can be in a, a plus defender in the NBA if you want to do it. 
No one knows if he if he if he's going to want to do it. He has the body muscle and athleticism to do that. But he was probably a pedestrian at best high school defender because there were just times when he wasn't engaged. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. GP, how this translates. No one knows. This is also part of the fun of the draft. I mean, he's going to get picked high. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I've seen some buzz about how he'd work so well, uh, you know, alongside Cade Cunningham. And if like, Cade Cunningham and Shaden Sharp both like clicked and really, really hit and like, Cunningham is already to a certain extent. But if he continues to grow, then if you're a Pistons fan and he goes five, then that's incredibly, incredibly, uh, uh, you know, boosting to any fan spirit there. But I just don't know. I, we're going to have to. And he might even be a player where he gets drafted five, seven, nine. And it might take two or three years to click if it does. That's the other thing to keep in mind here. Some of these guys will not be immediate impact players depending on where they're drafted, the system they go to, and everything with that. And I could see Sharp also being that kind of guy. You know, how much is he an alpha, and how much will he be able to go in to a franchise and immediately establish himself, work himself into the rotation, play north of 20, 22, 24 minutes a game? We just don't know that yet. So also keep that in mind. There are no shortage of guys who – build themselves into nice enough NBA players, but it does take them two or three years. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I lean toward that with sharp while not really having true conviction on what his career will look like, because really, what are we drawing from? We're really, we're guessing with him as much as anyone else. To me, he feels like a player. He gets drafted year one, year two. There's a little bit there, but if he's going to be a player with a lot of production with, Long time starting capability, you know, the chance to average close to 20 or so. Maybe that doesn't come until year three or year four because there's a lot to learn and there's there, there just will be a lot of catching up to do. Say what you will, GP, about not playing in college, banking on your top 10 stock. You can use that to your advantage, but it can also be a, a great disadvantage. Talk to many an NBA scout and they will tell you having not playing college ball, not actually going through that process, living that life day in, day out for really the better part of nine months at minimum. If you're a one and done kind of prospect, it, it will put you behind the eight ball. If you're super duper talented, you can, you can certainly overcome it to a degree. But with sharp enough questions exist there to, to wonder if it might take him a year or two to catch up. Yeah, um, you mentioned the shot. I'm a, I think I'm sold on that. You know, the, the dribble step back threes that all or at least most great guards use these days. Like, that's already a part of his game. Um, the shot looks translatable. Like, it looks fine. There's nothing really wrong with it. Um, he showed signs as a passer. Again, I, I should say, this is all stuff we've seen on film a year ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, on that film from a year ago, year and a half ago, the, the first step still needs some work. But this is all stuff pre-Kentucky. Like, how much is that? Like, we could see how much Jabari Smith has improved over the past year or Paulo Bencaro has improved over the last year. You can't really see it too much unless you were in practices at Kentucky. And, you know, from what I've been told by talking to some, you know, NBA evaluators, it's like you didn't, you didn't always see a lot when you were in the practice gym uh, at, at Kentucky. Um. You mentioned the defensive stuff. That's another area of concern, like on the list of things to be concerned about. But I'm with you on this, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. Um, the only time I'm genuinely concerned about a prospect on the defensive end of the court is when they are physically limited. Um, when, when they're an undersized big who's not can't rim protect or when they're a slow-footed guard, uh, when they're not an athlete, that's when I go, ooh, I don't know who he's going to guard. 
this guy's a six five athlete, six eleven and a half wingspan. I, I'm not worried about that. Um, I, I Jeff Van Gundy, I think in game two of the NBA finals. And I believe while talking about a former prospect, we, we will never, ever talk about again um, said, you know, if you care about winning, you'll get better defensively. Like if you've got the physical tools and you care, you'll get better defensively. And so I'm just, I know it's on the list of concerns. I'm not going to put it on my list of actual concerns. Um, I, I did uh, read a Q and a with Shaden Sharp from, about a year ago, I guess, uh, where he he said he tried to model a lot of his game off of Bra- after Bradley Bill. Uh, but the truth is, he's a little bigger than Bradley Bill. Better wingspan than Bradley Bill. Maybe not the shooter Bradley Bill is, but I don't know. If you're an NBA franchise picking fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and you can get Bradley Bill, that'd be – yeah. I'll, I take it. I take it. But, you know, to bottom line this, I can't Im- – it's hard for me to imagine. I don't want to say I can't imagine. He could bomb some workouts and then it just spirals on him. Medical concerns. You have no idea. But it's hard for me to imagine him going outside of the top 10. And, you know, somebody's going to take him. And, and, and when they announce the pick, you know, when they're explaining it to their local media the night of the draft, they'll say, we think we got the best player in this draft. Or we think we got, you know, one of the two or three best players in this draft. And if you pass on him, you're just going to pass on him for all the reasons that we've already noted, which is, man, it's been a long time since we've seen him play. He, you know, we haven't really, even that was just like EYBL stuff. And it's just difficult to know um, if he actually is what the grassroots basketball tape stuff says that he is. And also like some of this, I think will come down to what does the Kentucky staff tell NBA people about him? Like about his work ethic, about his mindset, about the way um, he performed in practices when he was, on a court, you know, with Ty Ty Washington and Cypher Wheeler and, and Oscar Shibway and Keon Brooks. Like, did, did, did he ever or how often did he look like the best player in the gym? You know, how, how often did you walk into that practice gym and go, yeah, this guy's not playing, but he's the best player here? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure of the answer to that question. I've heard mixed answers to that question. But that's something if I'm an MA evaluator, I want I want to hear John Calipari tell me. It'll be interesting to see how and where he's picked versus, say, a player like Ochai Abaji, who has four years of production and got better and better. Sharp is all about the potential and the unknown. Abaji, we know about as much as you could possibly know about a player. And having said that, it'll be our next prospect update in this podcast series. Spoiler alert, I'm higher on Ochai Abaji than most. And we'll talk about him extensively in the next episode of the Island College Basketball Podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. Thank you guys for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify or Apple, if you're not subscribed at those places, please go do that at Apple. Please, um, you know, five stars and a, a nice review. Like, type some words because there, there's more of us. There's more of us than there are of them. If you still watch it on YouTube, please smash the like button before you get out of here. And uh, as noted, we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever 
or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 